0: Welcome to the second episode of Alterations, a podcast dedicated to blockchain technology's impending and ongoing impact on finance. This time I'm joined by Nikolai Hack, Head of Strategy and Partnerships at Nukoro, a cloud platform enabling financial institutions to build digital investment services for retail investors. In this episode, we are going to talk about the current investment landscape, especially in the face of inflation. And the role of crypto and Bitcoin in this context. Without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Nikolai. Well, welcome to the second episode of Alterations. I'm very happy to say that I'm joined by Nikolai this time, who started his career in consulting, went on to co-found a robo-advisor in 2016, and is currently Head of Strategy and Partnerships at Nukoro, uh, a cloud platform um, enabling financial institutions to build digital investment services. Welcome, Nikolai. Hi, Marek. Great to be with you. Thank you to have you here uh, any additions to my very short introduction to your personality
1: to me personally no i think you covered most of my <laughs> yes i i love consulting uh, or i was in consulting after my studies and then uh, a friend of mine had uh, already uh, experienced or was working at the time in the, the wealth management industry and yeah, a lot of we saw a lot of uh, robo advisory concepts on live robo advisors at that point, and then we realized, well, there is more than we could do, and we we wanted to expand a bit what we saw in the market, and this is how we started. Yeah, the the robo firm, um, the the D2C proposition that we built in the UK, and then we uh, um, moved on to to realize the, the the that there's an even bigger opportunity instead of us building one robo we could build a platform in which others could build, well, not only Robo, but you know, the entire range of, of FinTech money management propositions. So trading, Robo, advisory, wealth management, and that's Nucoro. And we pivoted away from that, from, from us building the platform or building the, the product to building the platform. And that's what we've been doing for the last, uh, yeah, the, altogether five years, but now the last uh, uh, three, three years as Nucoro basically
0: interesting uh we will come to this uh well pretty soon um like what changes about the um retail investor behavior but um if you're like considering what Nucoro is doing um do you kind of like I guess you have a special perspective on how institutions deal with uh well in increasing demand of retail investors to well invest themselves Mm -hmm. so
1: yes you know that's what initially gave us the idea to one start the robo of course that we saw um, well clearly you know by by seeing the other well, the, the, the other projects in this space and the other players and in europe we have i think the biggest ones are probably scalable capital um, a big a big german brand that has expanded into a couple of other countries as well and then in the uk we had nutmeg um, and they all have been i don't know I think in total almost 10 years old now huh? um, if you go back to the earliest Stages of, of, of when they started, but they really hit, I think, peak um, recognition and peak awareness was in 2015, 16, probably, um, and uh, when yeah, there was a lot of uh, at least a lot of awareness around. And now robo-advisory and so this different way of investors to do something with their money is now a thing. I think there was a lot of, a lot of press at, at that point also, and a lot and the sentiment was well this is going to take over, right? This is robo just going to, now they're managing 1% of all assets. They will manage 50% of all assets five years from now. It's, you know the growth curves were, it was, you know, the exponential hockey stick really. Yep. And we looked at the industry back then and, and thought, okay, they're called robo, but they're not really robo. If you looked under the hood, there was not all that much robo. There were a lot of people working there. Um, plus, what we saw was, you know, what, what we didn't find very appealing was that it, it was always model portfolios, you know, you had, you know, 50,000 clients and they were batched in five buckets of five, you know, model portfolios, and this is how your money was managed. And we thought, well, it's not really, not really appropriate you know, to, 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 to clunk people together in this way, because in high net worth, private wealth management, private banking, what you get is an individual portfolio, right? So your portfolio is built for you based on your risk assessment and your, your financial situation. And we thought with the help of technology, we can do that for the retail space as well. Uh, you need to, what you need to do is build um, I don't know, a full automation. So retail investors get that part of the service um, and get that part of the proposition that they get their portfolio individually managed and you need algorithmically quantitative managed portfolio engines to do that um, but you also need um, uh, yes scalable processes to the entire you know value chain uh, otherwise it, you cannot make money with these small uh, small 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 amount portfolios so I think well driven by technology um, you know how we used it but also in part how the other players used it, a new a way of investing has definitely opened up, you know, driven by digitalization. You can access it at a lower price point that somebody manages the money for you um, because of yeah, that you don't have necessarily need one portfolio manager, but you have an algorithm doing the allocation for you. Um, at the same time, the same is true for, well, how you can invest yourself, you know, self-execution has changed completely. Whereas 10 years ago, 15 years ago, the only ways was, or even 20 years ago was you had to call your broker. Um, well, that might be 25, 30 years ago, you have to call your broker. Then and we now have... I
0: use my mobile app,
1: right? Exactly. Now you now you and I think that started probably like 10 years ago, right? Broker mm-hmm. platforms where, where people would go directly. And now you have the next evolution of that, which is you, you can do that even with the smallest possible amounts because you have fractional shares, right? That's the technical, that's the technology behind it. You have reconciliation engines that allow you to trade. Um, even though a Berkshire Hathaway share is, I don't actually know, $150,000 or something, yeah. you can still buy it with $5, right? And that's enabled by technology. So again, technology has driven a lot of the, the, the change there of how people can access their money. What I think, and I don't know if, if you want to talk about that as well, like the, the reasons of why do retail investors, um, you know, why, do, why are they drawn to investing in the first place or why should they be drawn to investing in the first place? I think those have also evolved, of course
0: yeah um we uh, we touched on this uh during the last episode when we talked about like meme stocks where you have momentum on social media platforms uh where people are discussing like the next big thing uh which i always find kind of interesting because at university you always learn well the best thing you can do is basically buy the market portfolio and well if you if you want more risk then take on leverage but uh if you are actually planning on investing instead of speculating, you well, you just buy a big enough basket and say, okay, I'm I'm done with that. But um, yeah, if you look at the at the big retail investor landscape, and yeah, buying single stocks for for example, uh, GameStop or GMC or stuff like that um, over platforms like Scalable or Trade Republic or Robinhood, then uh, yeah, the the I don't know. I feel like the landscape became way more active with people like taking taking their own money in their hands and saying okay i i'm going to make i don't know a few percent by buying stock x because my cousin said so or reddit said so or youtube said so um yeah that's pretty interesting yeah you have
1: well one well, is the possibility right that you uh, you have a lot of different channels of exposure now right of what you mentioned the where you can access information about investing you know it's a much more broadly discussed topic um, across well you know much more innovative sources of, of you know or, or media channels like you know youtube or, or wherever else you get your information from and i think also that you know it plays into that democratization of access again because if you wanted to have you know whether that's always expert opinion or not it can be discussed as i guess but if you wanted um some analysis, you know, you again twenty years back, you had to pay for that, you know, through um, well, the you know the analyst outlets um, or through you know the the, the research reports, etc., or through your financial advisor or your wealth manager, um, if you were not already engaging with them. And now um, that information becomes more more freely available. Whether it's always, you know, of a, um, uh, a higher uh, or a high enough quality so that you should actually base a decision making on it—that's a different question but definitely you know, like the, much like the the price points have come down at which you're able to to do all of that that's that's interesting but then also how the, the, the information is disseminated that has increased you know better access there as well um and generally i think then you know the, the, i think the awareness around um you know pre- preparation for retirement maybe the awareness of that you can less and less rely on the public systems that are in place and how they're able to um how they were able to deliver on their you know future commitments i think there's a growing awareness around that it has driven to people to realize well if i want to be able to retire at 60 65 or if i want to retire earlier um or maybe if, if, if i retire at 70 or at all i have to probably do something myself um so uh, I think more and more people are waking up to that opportunity, and then we have the, um, and that's a big driving force for our work. That, um, and this is why we work with banks, and why you know, there's a big opportunity for banks to build these kinds of propositions for their existing clients. Because you have huge and huge, and huge pots of money just sitting there doing nothing, and that's people with their, you know, d- deposits in their bank account. Um, just having having the money sit there and losing purchasing power to inflation um and it's a, a, to activate those funds it's a it's a huge for the banks too because you can create more revenue by having people invest instead of only um just having the money sit there and doing nothing but people also are realizing um, especially you know, also driven by I think developments like in, in germany where you have increasingly um banks and charging fees just to hold your money right you're being charged and those and the amounts from where it starts go lower and lower um i think you already
0: you you already touched uh, the point of inflation um i think especially during COVID, uh with i don't know a lot of stimulus checks in in the u.s and general well (laughs) money printing or memes around that um you have increase in money, uh, the monetary supply while well, people are looking at okay how how can i use this extra money in a useful way coming coming a little bit to the topic of crypto um where like considering that equities commodities real estate have been uh, traditional uh, inflation hedges uh which are somewhat available to retail investors um are all quite expensive at the moment. Uh, well, short side note uh, I actually wrote my master thesis about commodity investments and uh, quickly checked that before our session today. Um, there's the Goldman Sachs Commodity Index uh, GSCI, which bundles the prices of 24 uh, commodities, mm-hmm. uh, which is ac- actually, uh, currently like uh, really um increasing in price so if you bought that in the beginning of last year uh, that that was a pretty good decision
1: but in general
0: that thing is trading uh, below its level uh, between the beginning of 2011 and uh, 2014 and mm-hmm. uh, i actually checked that uh, from 2011 till now we had about 22 percent of inflation and the index is trading below that uh, below the level of 2011 so you actually not only lost well, it's not, it didn't work. Like even even before adjusting for inflation and afterwards, uh, performance was even worse. So yeah, traditional approaches of uh, saving or protecting your money um, might not be that feasible uh, anymore or Mm -hmm. at least not with all kinds of asset classes, Um, which brings us to the role of uh, cryptocurrencies. In, in the current landscape. We already talked about uh, platforms like Scalable, um, which provide access to equities, mostly, I think, or like yeah. uh, ETFs or... Um, yeah, ETFs. Tracking, for example, commodities. Adding cryptocurrencies to your portfolio uh, is a little bit easier than it was around 2009. Mm-hmm. Um, when getting a wallet was super complicated, you couldn't just simply buy that. And now you have places like Coinbase and you don't even need to wallet anymore. Yeah. Uh, return correlation with equities is pretty low. Uh, well, it's increasing, but initially it was pretty low. And it can also be pretty easily shown that if you add cryptocurrencies and not only Bitcoin, uh, actually to a portfolio consisting of equities, bonds and real estate, drastically improve the risk return profile that might be biased because cryptos were booming uh, like like crazy uh, in the last years but i think that's a that's a point worth considering so uh what's what's from your perspective the role of cryptocurrencies and and well traditional um, investment portfolios or retail investor portfolios
1: yeah maybe i start with considering our work um and i think it's uh there you have to consider where the um the traditional institutions who are our clients to build these kinds of propositions where they come from um so that most of them are now just waking up to this, this this realization okay we have to let our clients invest their money we have to help them to invest their money um in through yeah, digitally embedded um, experiences, especially that happen, so it means where they need to happen, where their banking happens. So you, you, it's, it's not necessarily a good strategy to try to build something that sits you know outside your existing channels. But ideally, you bring investing and banking together, and that's only what a lot of institutions, a lot of um, yeah the incumbents are realizing now. And that's because that's where a lot of the clients are also now. They're just waking up to that as well. Um, and then, yeah, as you said, traditionally, the first yeah, points of entry are, you know, it's stocks, it's ETFs, you know, very broad market, pretty vanilla, um, pretty vanilla type portfolios. I think it's important that you mention as well that um, retail investors and the broad, broad, broad um, basis of retail investors, they don't really care about, you know, uh, products as much and about the, the, the ins and outs of what's in a fund, what's not in a fund. Um, even how, you know, an ETF works or how a, a mutual fund works, it's beyond, you know, the comprehension of most people actually for good reasons, right? If you you don't need to be a, a mechanic to drive a car, you shouldn't have to be, right? And that's, that's, that's actually, it's perfectly fine, you know, that you're not. Um, yeah. But for the more active type of investor, um, one, it, it already differs and, you know, of course, you know, what kind of instruments you want to have in your portfolio, One, you probably want to directly invest into equities and you want to select them yourself and you don't want to be only at be exposed to funds. And then for the the very active type, you know, like I think you and me, and then a lot of the people probably that you know, have a, a similar deep interest in finance and financial services, then we yeah. go to 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 crypto as well. Um, from an institutional point of view, there's... Growing interest um, and to consider making crypto uh, part of the offering for retail clients, but we're definitely not, uh, uh, or we don't, we don't see it yet as a as something that is crucial to to launching these kinds of offerings. But it's growing. Uh, there's a growing awareness for sure. But I think a lot of institutions are still getting trying to get their head around you know, the regulatory environments and they're waiting for regulatory clarity, uh, especially to the treatment of, of cryptocurrencies before they will offer it to their clients. So there, the regulators have to do some work.
0: Which is as pretty the, complicated as well, right? Cause you have yeah. a decentralized asset class, but national regulation or let's say at the European level. So providing services around that is, uh, which we also see at DICUS, um, network is uh yeah that's not that easy yeah
1: i, I absolutely you have to you know the the regional components you have the very technical components of you know the custody for example right how do you um how do you take care of that you have a new liability of course um there's all all sorts of implications that in a inherently risk averse segment you know don't help with adoption obviously right so you it's, it's an interesting clash of culture anyway right you have the this extremely fast moving space hitting an extremely slow moving space and those two are now somehow converging and and then let's see how you know what the what the end result will be but since you also asked of course apart you know what role um does it play and i i'm I cannot speak much about you know the, the the crypto market in general. I'm more of a a Bitcoin first and Bitcoin only kind of guy because that's the that, that's the one I understand quite well. And I, I get my head around the mechanics quite well and the value proposition quite well. Um, so there, um, considering the the prices appreciation of you know all the other asset classes you mentioned, um, the um, what's accessible to retail anyway, commodities. I just saw today a tweet where if you had invested a thousand pounds in gold or a thousand dollars in gold 10 years ago now you'd have a 970 or something right you'd be down uh, 0.3% actually um, yeah. that's um, uh, you, you, you'd be down uh, 3% actually not 0.3% you would be down 3% actually from where you were 10 years ago um, so um, clearly as an inflation hatch while Prices are appreciating, I know, whatever the official figure is. I think, you know, you there's a lot of tempering going on potentially. So you have to be a bit careful. But I think we can observe it, right? And in a lot yeah, of categories of everyday prices. Um, but you lost money there. So did, that didn't work quite well. But it's, what has seemed to work quite well is real estate potentially um you know shooting through the roof over a decade-long bull run now since 2009-2010 when prices came down a bit after after Lehman um and then equities also right uh 10-year straight bull market now with with interruptions that you almost cannot call interruptions because they're not really they, they don't make a dent anymore even last year or was it a a 50 percent dip you know it doesn't matter we're up you know since then multiples um so everything um it's like it's almost like you're a genius you know no matter what you do except for you know except for gold and some commodities (laughs) right you you could not if you lost money over the last 10 years i i would seriously reconsider you know doing something else potentially um and for crypto i mean in a world of uh, of unlimited, or you know, let me say Bitcoin, because um, that's the one I can speak firmly about. In a world of yeah,
0: app- I I think I think uh, just a like quick uh, quick note to that. I've, um, I feel like you can like draw a small distinction between like if you say okay, I'm interested in the crypto space as a whole you have let's say besides bitcoin you have a lot of coins or protocols which try to build like infrastructure for the next version of the internet whatever that exactly means so you have a lot of ideas of uh, decentralized services um, anonymity um, uptime of 100% because you don't have single service anymore Um, and I think that's I think that's interesting as well, especially, like you said, with uh, equities, uh, considering the the tech boom, you have multiple uh, companies right now with a trillion dollar market cap, mm. um, if that's reasonable or not. But I feel like that's a strong implication to show, okay, the the, the investment world believes in technolo- technological solutions. And I feel like a lot of those um, coins, protocols, whatever, um uh, some form of speculation on what's the next thing going to be, and I see that Bitcoin has a different investment rationale.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: but um, a few, a few of the the last figures I, I draw up for for the stock, um, you know what Bitcoin dominance is, right? Like the uh, share of uh, Bitcoin's market cap uh, in relation to all the other cryptos, sure, yeah. which has been which has been above ninety percent. For most of the time. Uh, in the beginning of 2018, like the last big boom, well, before the current one, basically, yeah. um, Bitcoin dominance was only at about 38%, and the entire market had a market cap of about $770 billion. Uh, mm. dollars. In the beginning of this year, uh, we had basically the same market cap, a uh, little bit less. But the uh, um, Bitcoin dominance of 70% again, so basically doubled again. And right now, the uh, entire crypto market nearly quadrupled to uh, $2.6 trillion. And Bitcoin is again at only 43%. So I see that it's pretty, well, it's it's stable and it's certainly the largest asset. But, um, and, and while well, we can definitely talk hours about the sustainability of different Coins and if they will make it or not, um, but I feel like one has to acknowledge that there's well an <laughs> an absurd amount of money in the in the in the uh, in the market, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, but like coming from this well speculation on the future of technology and the internet, basically, um, what's your what's your general hypothesis on Bitcoin then?
1: Yeah, I committed clearly you know from the monetary angle and from the financial world angle and less from the technology angle which is for me why i i I totally get bitcoin and i fully believe in 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 the hypothesis of of you know where it can go and where it will go um the other ones i yeah I, i i just don't understand as well and um i I'm not sure if I don't. I just find it hard to believe that there's a use case for 9,000 other coins. I don't think it's <laughs> possible. I, I don't think that's true. And I don't think anyone believes that. So a lot of that is pure speculation and, and, and excess, really. But uh, for Bitcoin, I get it. And I also think for the specific use case of Bitcoin, it's really difficult or I think impossible for a competitor to achieve the same. Um, um, The same mode, the same network effects, the same path dependency that Bitcoin has already achieved and on which it has been actually so I don't see it being dethroned or I don't think I don't think there will be a next better Bitcoin. um, Because it it won't be possible to, 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 to recreate what Bitcoin has achieved and where Bitcoin has landed so that as a store of value from the monetary side undefeated for me and undefeatable and I think in a you know in a world of abundance and limitless um, money creation through fiat it's it should be very obvious and I would think a lot of more people will wake up to that that something that is you know immutable um, uh, decentralized um, uh, not open to capture by anyone no matter how powerful actor um, it should be an extremely a powerful tool to to hatch against uh, yeah, the, the erosion of your purchasing power. Through you know fiat money that we all yeah, for, uh, that we all have to use um, because we have to interact with it in our daily lives. We have to pay our taxes in it. We have to we we normally receive our salaries in it. But the the value proposition for me is 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 crystal clear of why this will be a good tool for you to to protect the, the wealth that you have created in the end. To create you know to protect and, and store the time that you have put into uh, that you that you have spent to acquire wealth and to acquire prosperity uh, it seems to be a very very good vehicle and probably the best vehicle to do that so i i fully believe that um i think bitcoin is still cheap where it is now um it might it might seem very expensive um i think the unit bias doesn't help right that one coin is uh, It's by far the most uh, ex- expensive on a, on a per unit level, of course, coin that's out, that's out there, so that, that it,
0: it doesn't help. Um, with... Well, but for, I mean, for cryptos, it's even easier to buy, like, fractional coins than it is to buy fractional shares. So I, I see your point, but yeah. then I, I don't know how many, what is it, Satoshis I, I, I have, and, like, if you con- uh, convert that to entire Bitcoin... um i i I hear what you're saying and i uh i tend to agree mostly with that um however uh you mentioned both uh bitcoin as like well some sort of money and a store of value Mm -hmm. um now that i still have a pretty close connection to university where we are pretty strict about definitions and stuff like that Mm -hmm. um so i from from my point of view, you can't really call it Bitcoin money because you have this, uh, you have the store of value uh, proposition, you have the unit of account uh, functionality and um, the uh, medium of exchange um, function. And I think the medium of exchange is, well, at least currently quite problematic because well, you have it in El Salvador and some online stores, but... Yeah, I, I, I couldn't go to my grocery store or a media market or something like that and say, "Yeah, I want to buy something with them." Uh, not that people wouldn't want my Bitcoin, but I just can't use it for this, so mm-hmm. it's just not—it's not that functional right now. And it's also pretty arg- uh, pretty hard to argue for it as a unit of account at least for now, because the price is so volatile. So saying, "Well, yeah, it's one Bitcoin," it's, pff, even within a day, it doesn't really doesn't really uh, come close to the functionality of fiat right there yeah but um, i really see the argument about store of value and uh, for those who don't know uh, i guess we didn't mention that the maximum supply of bitcoin is fixed so uh, this is also where the uh, role as a hedge for inflation comes into play right because you always know how many bitcoins will be out there i think uh, the last bitcoins additional bitcoins will be mined uh, in about a hundred years or so. So, uh, the, 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 the rate is certainly slowing down, um, at which new bitcoins, uh, I added, but, um, yeah, there's still some time to go. And, uh, I also saw a recent analysis where, uh, if we, if we say, okay, it's a store of value, a couple of other valuation techniques, um, are based around, for example, network, uh, um, well, usability, for example, how many active addresses are there? How many transactions are happening? Like from a utility point of view, basically. Um, but from a store of value perspective, um, I read an analy- analysis that if Bitcoin were to replace twenty percent of the gold that it's uh, that is mined uh, simply for the store of value uh, function, each coin would be worth around a hundred thousand uh, dollars. So. Mm-hmm still, I think, about $40,000 to go. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, of course, if you take negative yielding assets into consideration in that, well, I mean, that's always a little bit hypothetical, but um, I find it hard to uh, wrap my head around an asset that doesn't really have an intrinsic value and you can come up with different narratives what it could be worth. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, Do you have any... I guess you wouldn't sell it at hundred K, right. I would not recommend anyone to
1: sell any Bitcoin. Um, I would, uh, I don't think, uh, so there's a meme, right. That of, uh, of Neo in the matrix, uh, in the matrix, when, uh, and Morpheus and you know, the uh, I don't know how exactly it goes, but it's like, you know, are you telling me that, um, I, I will not sell my Bitcoin in the future, or something. And then Morpheus says, Well, no, I'm telling you what you won't have to, right? Because if, if hyper Bitcoinization happens, or so the broad adoption of Bitcoin as money, then you won't um, um, have to sell your Bitcoin anymore for fiat, but you will just use them, right? To, to buy things directly. Um,
0: and not only you wouldn't have to, you also wouldn't want to you probably i mean you wouldn't
1: want to right now right with the price yeah.
0: appreciation well, you there was never a good point i mean unless you
1: want to try tops uh, try to time tops and bottoms and you know and and, and time the market and trades, then you know I, I think for the average person it doesn't make sense to try but you know to your Your point of, you know, like how far are we in the in the adoption? It's true, right? The volatility doesn't really lend itself to use it as a unit of account right now. Um, But that's, you know, that's emerging money. That's what emerging technologies always do, right? They 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 swing wildly in in their usefulness or in their in their um, in the value depending uh, over 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 the lifespan. And I think the the concept of intrinsic value is, is difficult, right? Because all value is um subjective right there's it's it, there's, there's nothing that has um objective value because it's everything is only as valuable as as we you know collectively or or individually decide that it is worth um if we all you know and then we have done so for a very long time we all decided that money uh, that, that goal was you know quite quite valuable because it has certain properties it you know, it has a not a fixed supply, but a relatively predictable supply schedule, because we know um, you can only expand the, the mining and the, the creation of more gold uh, the, the, or the, the, the surfacing of more gold by so and so much, because it's really labor and, and capital intensive to do so. Um, it is uh, very durable or right? it doesn't rot away. You, if you store it for a thousand years and you, you know, it holds uh, uh, its, its, its material uh, properties quite well, Um, it's somewhat divisible You can you know chip small parts off and then you know uh, use it and what it doesn't do very well is you know transportability it's not very heavy not easy to transport Um, bitcoin as a digital currency is extremely easy to transport so it's superior there Um, and it's uh, not very secure right because you have to physically store it Um, and then that and we have seen how that happens in the past you know that, that that opens the possibility of confiscation or theft you know you just people are all lost as well um you can definitely lose ease to your bitcoin um they're harder if, if appropriately well stored you know they're harder to 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 steal um and they're definitely harder to confiscate as well so i see some superiority of of, of bitcoin over gold which is, brings me to the other point of what you said right the, how much will it be? How much will Bitcoin chip away as a store of value from where people store their, you know, their their, their wealth right now? And you mentioned gold, you mentioned negative yielding bonds or bonds generally, real estate, you could take as well. I think Bitcoin will chip away from all of those over time. And then and that will give it uh, that will give it an, an, an unbelievable price appreciation over time. But I think that we find hard to fathom or, or anticipate right
0: now. Hmm. Yeah, let's just hope we don't fall for some whale uh pumping and dumping at some point. That's like the one of the only things that actually comes uh well, not quite not frequently, but sometimes to my mind uh where you like because you don't really have a very good analysis of how much of the uh Bitcoin out there is actually liquid and traded on those platforms and mm-hmm. what is just sitting in some balance. Sure, if you take the Global perspective and say, okay, that's like twenty percent from this, twenty percent of that. Then you still uh, arrive at like huge market caps. But um, yeah, I don't know. You probably also have some friends who uh, got into crypto after you talk to them, and then come back to you two days later and say, wow, well, price changed like minus minus fifteen percent. What is happening? And you just say, well, <laughs> just don't check it every day. It will drive you crazy. Just just you just have to believe and wait for some time and uh yeah don't get crazy over daily daily market trends yeah sure also yeah. for other investments but exactly. i feel like especially with crypto open 24 7 and traded globally well you never know what your balance will be the next morning
1: exactly i mean it's it... It's definitely, it can be an even more addicting uh, field of interaction compared to stocks where there's at least closing hours, right? The market's closed, nothing's going to happen. You can check the app as often as you want. And with, with crypto, you never, you know, it never closes. So absolutely, uh, you can be glued to your screen 24 seven if you want. Uh, yeah.
0: well, with that general notion of uncertainty, <laughs> even though we are quite optimistic, I think that's uh, wrapping up what we wanted to talk about. Thank you very much for coming on here. Thanks. My pleasure,
1: Marek. Thanks for having me.